0: This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.
1: All right, uh, well, that uh, iconic music uh, demonstrates uh, that it is time for movies and that Philip Malloy is with me. Interestingly, I deliberately used the word iconic because um, listening to the programme uh, is Simon, who is a keen film goer and uh, expert Harder, a part of the country again Dublin six Dublin six okay and he detests the use of the word iconic why I don't know he doesn't like it
0: well, the only thing I can say is that it's one of those words, you use great all the time, misuse yep. great all the time. Uh, it's it's one of those words, the legend, the legend people come. Yep. And even even when we're talking about stuff, cinema stuff like blockbuster, uh, people keep thinking about blockbuster as just a big film. The, the the thing about the word blockbuster, it was used to define a movie that made over $100 million
1: at the box office. Right. That's what a blockbuster is. So
0: a movie doesn't become a blockbuster until after
1: it's released. All right. Right, and and it doesn't become a blockbuster just because there's a cast of thousands. Absolutely, or because it costs 200 million or something like that. So uh, um, Cleopatra wasn't a blockbuster.
0: No, uh, actually there's, um, uh, we might do a piece on it soon, there's uh, an article in Business Weekly this week uh, about the movies that lost most money at the box office. Oh yeah. Yeah, And that's number two, I think. That'd be really interesting. And you know what's number one? Uh, it's the third in the Pirates of the Caribbean. No, it's, sorry, that's that, Cosmos. That's what it is, Cosmos. All right. It's okay. the th- third, I think, in the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movies that cost most money mm-hmm. of all time. All right.
1: Now, you've been watching movies all week, as is yeah. your won't. Mm-hmm. What have you got to say for well,
0: yourself? Well, one thing I'd like to talk briefly about is um, a film called Begin Again, which is uh, written and directed by John Carney, who was the writer and director of Once. You may remember Once about a few years ago was it 2006 got an Oscar for best music it did falling yeah. slowly that's right uh, and it's I think it's a charming New York based comedy about the connective and I explain that in a minute the connective powers of music Keira Knightley is in it and this was she's in a role that was once intended for Scarlett Johansson she plays this English singer songwriter who arrives in the Big Apple with her boyfriend and he's played by Mark Levine who's a, a, a popular music singer from the group Maroon 5 and just he, she, they arrive just to see Signed a, a, a new a record deal, a deal with a new uh, record company. He cheats on her, and she's beginning to think about going back to England. When she agrees to sing a song at an open mic night uh, in a New York pub, and here she's spotted. She's spotted by this record company executive, played by the wonderful, the gorgeous actor um, Mark Ruffalo. And uh, he uh, it turns out he's lost his job. His marriage is he's married to uh, Catherine Keener, and a lovely actress called Catherine Keener, and his relationship with his teenage daughter baby Haley Steinfeld um is is has failed as well and what the movie then does, it does is does it tells you how one basically one person saves the other true music and it's the sort of subject that you sort of it needs to be pitched really well it needs to be pitched right on just dead on and i think Carney does it here it's funny it's human it's insightful and it's positive it's a it's a nice movie it's a really nice movie and i'm glad that uh Hopefully, um, Harvey Weinstein's company, the Weinstein Company, t- there was a, a big uh, 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 auction for the rights of it at the Toronto Film Festival last year. And eventually, the rights went to the Weinstein Company for $7 million plus $20 million to go towards advertising and
1: promotion, which is a very good deal. All right. Uh, so it's... Um, this it, could make money for man, Amanda. Uh, ho- hopefully. All right. All mm. right. Um, the, but you've, you've got another little love, movie, uh, yeah. have well, lovely, yeah. It's you lovely. love little movies, do, as I do. do I. I do. No, Actually, as
0: no, do I. Yeah, yeah. I, we, um, yeah. I, was, I was speaking to Jack. Let's I drop a name or two here. I was speaking to Jack Rayner recently, and he kept referring to himself as an independent movie actor. And uh, I, I knew exactly what he meant. Anyway, Boyhood is by Richard Linklater, and he's the writer-director of the Beyond Midnight um, movies, three movies together. And it's a deeply involving, I think, story of a parent-child relationship. That follows this boy from the uh, 5th to the 12th grade in school and ends up with him going off to college uh, um, Link Latter, um he's a very, I think he's a very inventive writer and he got the idea in 2001 and he thought at that stage that the idea was basically too nebulous and it probably wouldn't work but he decided to try it anyway and I think he pulls it off remarkably well. There's a little actor called um, Eller Coltrane he's a, he's, he's a first time actor and he plays the boy from 6 to 8 uh, so and what the movie did did was it kept going back to this kid as he as he aged. Uh, uh, Patricia Arquette is his mother, and Ethan Hawke, who's a long time friend of Link Ladders, uh, he plays the kind of estranged. Uh, father. Just
1: excuse to me, mm. how does an actor play for, uh, somebody from six to eighteen? Okay. I would have thought that was quite difficult. Well, no, no,
0: no, I'm not talking about makeup or anything like that. I'm talking right. about him really doing this. How how they shot a bit of film, and then a few years later they went back. I can shop oh, I more. see. I can right, I absolutely incredible stuff. But can it, it, I? Okay, it yeah, works, it works. It can works. Can
1: I just drag you back mm. to your first movie, mm. Jim Carney, John? Yeah, John Carney. And um, you set in New York, right? Yeah. And. I think movies that are set in New York are absolutely brilliant. If they're set like outside Madison Avenue yeah. or 5th Avenue yeah. because they're all yeah. the wonderful areas of New York like the Italian area yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And iconic there, iconic <laughs> yeah. but there is an interesting story about your Mr. Carney and how he he got some of the scenes
0: No there is because one of the things he did and he's a, he okay he's a cyclist anyway he cycles around Dublin but one of the things he did was he just rented a bike when he went to New York and for 2 months he went cycling around the city and I asked him about this um, and he he basically said that he he wasn't looking for locations. He wanted to get a sense of the city. Yeah,
1: but but it, that is true. I uh, I I remember it, when I first went there in yeah. 1986. I walked. Yeah, I was able to walk. That's then, a great place to and walk. It is fabulous. Oh, that's a great
0: place to walk. You know, you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and
1: you get this sense. So I'm really interested, in kindly doing that. Now the next movie. Mm. I want to know all about it. Yeah, you.
0: okay. Oh, f- first of all, okay, what we're talking about is The Imitation Game. And it's a biopic based on the life of the World War II codebreaker Alan Turing. And it's been getting, the reason I have it on that list there, it's been getting rave, a rave reception at test screenings in the United States. Benedict Cumberbatch stars in it as Turing, and they're talking at this stage about him as a potential Oscar nominee. And uh, he's the, uh, Turing, as you know, was the head of the British code-breaking uh, service during the war. What was it called, Bleakly.
1: Well, they made a film about
0: it, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Something House. That's right. Um, um, yeah,
0: so, yeah. Uh, anyway. And they
1: actually made a, a film quite recently. Yeah. about and but they, there was also a television film, a film of Turing with your man who played I Claudius.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actor, British yeah, actor, yeah. 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 Okay, uh, anyway. We're bad
1: tonight. Our so, okay, okay. brains are losing for,
0: for, Okay, anyway, um, for, uh, for this guy's work, for Turing's work in, in in breaking German ciphers, Winston Churchill claimed that he had made the single biggest contribution to the Allied war effort uh, against Germany. And the thing about it was, and I, I love this, this, this to me is what makes it um, um, a great sort of film idea. Turing was convicted in 1953 of homosexuality and uh, he agreed apparently uh, to what was called chemical castration which basically was estrogen uh, injections uh, to quell his um, his sexual needs and uh, uh, and as a, as an alternative to prison, and he committed suicide sometime after um, now the idea george the idea of it, this guy being a hero to the extent that he was uh, representing his country um as he did um against the Nazis and then been turned on by that country in the way that he was well
1: it, the code breaking thing's interesting because. Yeah. The Germans uh, had this machine. And again, the Americans made a movie in which they captured the machine and they claimed credit for capturing the machine because yeah. actually it was the British, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And this was an extremely complicated machine uh, that changed the codes every day. But Turing broke the coat. Code. Yeah. And it meant...
0: And he it, didn't he break them repeatedly? I mean, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: what it meant was that uh, the British were listening in to all the German messages during World War II. And it was only about six people knew about it. It was so top secret mm. because they were terrified the Germans would get to know. Yeah. And they knew everything Germans were talking about. And then for this man To be humiliated in a way, because you see homosexuality was a crime, as you know, Um, to be humiliated in that way uh, was awful. This, I'm really interested in this.
0: I'm seriously looking forward to it myself. And there's a quote there from Cumberbatch. He described the treatment of Alan Turing as a really shameful, disgraceful part of our history and uh, um, a few years ago by the way um, Turing was publicly pardoned I don't know what the hell that means but publicly pardoned by the British um, Prime Minister Gordon Brown and um, it's been acquired uh, by the uh, again by the Weinstein company who is famous for doing they're famous for doing um, uh, Oscar campaigns and they've acquired it they'll release it in the United States so hopefully it will do well a lot of people will see it and it will get some awards
1: So we won't see this for a couple of months will we not?
0: We'll see it towards the end of the year I think it's out in November
1: All right. okay now Sherlock's coming back Sherlock is uh, You like Sherlock That's that's a
0: segue I'm not actually my two kids love it, 114 or 16 and 112, but uh, they, they uh, it, it's, it's a segue sort of from an, an one Cumberbatch thing to another. And uh, it's to return to the BBC for a one off special, first of all, and then a new series of three episodes. As you know, they're, they're actually shot, they're made um, as feature film length um, episodes, so you get three episodes of whatever it is 90 minutes or. And Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman will shoot the special in January. That's next January, two thousand and fifteen, and the other three episodes then throughout the year. One of the things about this um, series is the difficulty that they have in bringing the two actors Irish. together. So what they have they tend to do is that they tend to stagger the shoot, um, the shooting of episodes. Cumberbatch in particular is constantly working, so they have difficulty getting him. Okay. Out. And by the way, George, um, as we said, it is of course the Fort um, series, and it's sees the return of Moriarty, the arch-villain Moriarty, and following hints of his comeback at the end of the last series when his face appeared on television screens with the words, Miss me. So that, again, is worth looking forward
1: to. Now, you're going to go to a sports movie, (laughs) right? Now, before you go to a sports movie, was there ever a good sports movie? Senna, I suppose, was it?
0: Well, Senna was great, but Senna was a documentary. Now,
1: right? Well, yeah. was there ever a good sports movie?
0: A good sports feature? Yeah, I can't think of a good sports feature. Uh, Unless you are going to bring in the Sporting Life or something like that. And there was there was rugby in that. Oh
1: yeah, it? rugby league uh, yeah, in the Sporting yeah, yeah, Life. Yeah, I would yeah. think makes it an outstanding yeah, sporting yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but like, they were they were they they've never handled sport well. And now no. you are telling me that they're going to make a remake. Of an awful film. Yeah. They're going to do
0: okay. They're going to do a remake. A expect Warner Brothers is doing it. And they're supposed to be directed by a fellow called Doug Lyman, who did the Born Identity and recently did the Tom Cruise movie Edge of Tomorrow. And uh, what we're talking about is a film called Victory. It was also called Escape to Victory. Uh, it was made in 1981. Michael Caine was the star. Well, he was the head of a. Uh, it was the top of a, a fairly starry cast. And uh, it uh, it was directed of all people by John Huston, and Kane. He it was the story of a group of Allied prisoners during the Second World War preparing for a match against the German national team in Nazi-occupied Paris, and the Allied soldiers who included real-life so- soccer legends like Bobby Moore. Um, who obviously was the captain of the English team in 1966 when they yeah. won the World Cup Ozzy I mean.
1: Ardiles, Ozzy
0: Ardiles, Ozzy Ardiles, <laughs> Pelé was, in, is, was yeah. in it and Sylvester Stallone was even in it, it as, the like, as the goalkeeper who, <laughs> who saves the, doesn't he save a penalty or something yeah. as far as I recall okay so uh, uh, they're, they're going to re- Max von Seido was in it as well he's the kind of chief German um, uh, officer and uh, they're going to remake this. I may, may, Listen, George, maybe there is some sense in that, in, in this, in that we've always said that the only movies you should remake are movies that fail the first time. Bad movies. They're the only ones. There's no point in remaking good Well, I, good I mean, movies.
1: I don't know this director isn't going to ask my advice, yeah. but the first thing I would do is not get soccer players, because no. they're not actors. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I mean... But it, Houston
0: was like that, George. He tended to be quite lackadaisical and lazy, uh, depending on his circumstances, depending on where he was. I mean, he was famous for, wherever he went, he was famous for using the visiting to, uh, visiting locations for other reasons. He was making... Like girls? Well, I, I, I don't know about girls, but he was making... Um, he was into pre-Columbian art in a big way, right? And uh, he was making a movie with Burt Lancaster called Unforgiven. Uh, on the Mexican border. With
1: O.J. Hepburn?
0: Yes, well, on the Mexican border. And he used that to actually smuggle pre-Columbian <laughs> art across the border constantly. That was typical Houston. I love Houston. Uh, but he was he was like that. He was a bit of a rake. And uh, so, um, anyway, the, I, I, th- I think the, the plot of this is very, um, is very similar uh, to that uh, Burt Reynolds movie, The Longest Yard. I remember your pal Eddie Albert was in it as yes. well. He was the, I think he was the prison warden in it um anyway that's one we'll look out for and uh and see where it goes. The next one on that list George yes. is fascinating look, I'll tell you why in a sec. It's called Tulip Fever. Um, first of all, let me give you a little bit about the history of it. It's Tulip Fever and it's the story, first of all, of a 17th century Duc- Dutch artist who falls in love with this woman that he's employed basically to paint. Uh, it's currently in uh, in production at Pinewood Studios and at various locations in Norfolk in England. Um, it's produced by this woman called Alison Owen. Alison Owen is the mother of the singer Lily Allen and of Alfie um, uh, Alfie Allen who is in Game of Thrones. That's what he's in. You know, just escape me for a sec. And she's made films like uh, Elizabeth, Sean of the Dead, Proof and The Other Bowling Girl. She was going to make this movie uh, Tulip Fever in 2004. Uh, it's based on a, a book by a woman called Deborah Magak Magak. Uh, She used to have a column years ago in the London Independent, as far as I can recall. And uh, anyway, she was going to make, Deborah Owen was going to make this in 2004. Uh, Everything was ready to go. Jude Law was going to star in it. The young Kira Knightley was going to star opposite him. And what the British government did was they basically, they changed the tax break policy uh, for movies. And as a result, the budget, the $20 million budget for Tulip Fever uh, collapsed then uh, and the, the stars and the director John Madden they went on to other things then there was a, an attempt by an, a director called Peter Chelson to do something with it and in 2011 uh, Tom Hooper who, uh, who, who you may recall did the King's Speech um, he tried to do he planned he, he kind of toyed with the idea of doing it and then dropped it but Owen kept it in, her, in the back of her mind and eventually she went to Paramount who owned the rights of it and um, asked for it, uh, to do it and now she's doing it with just a lovely cast, actually. Dane DeHaan, Jack O'Connell, Holiday Granger, she she played one of the the Borgias, Christoph Waltz, Judy Dench, and a Swedish actress called Alicia Vikander. Now, this this lovely angle, this. Um, I hope it's a short angle. One of the things about this is what the the, the two of them did was they invested money in tulips in order to make enough money to go off uh, together. And... um, the, the the I don't know if you know it or, or not, but the the idea of the futures market, Do you know, the futures market that the whole of the stock market is kind of based on, that's where it came from. This investment in tulips Chulich. in um in. Uh, in Europe at that time.
1: Well, we have some questions as usual, not the least of which uh, is uh, one I wouldn't mind asking myself. Mm. When is Boardwalk Empire coming well,
0: back? Well, okay, Boardwalk Empire um, is coming back, but it's coming back for the last season, I think, on Sky Atlantic in October. Uh, one sort of interesting thing about Boardwalk Empire is that it got all kinds of kudos all over the place, winning awards. Great sort of reviews, all that stuff. But it never took off in the way that Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, uh, The Walking Dead, and other sort of uh, successful cable. Series drama series on cable television, did in the United States. So this one, this upcoming one, whatever it is, 10 episodes will be the last one. Yeah,
1: because you got the sense in the last series that Mm. they thought the game was up and they kind of ended it, didn't they? She was in jail. Do you remember your one?
0: Yeah, yeah, but George, what we're talking, if you ask me to pick a decade in 20th century history in the United States, the one I'd love to pick is the 20s. I mean, Absolutely. there was so much happening, so much happening.
1: I I thought this black guy with the beard mm. was a useless character. Yeah. In, I never got the part to play. Like they were bootleggers and all that. But is based is on that the chalky Ju- white? Is that what you're no, no. no, no. The other guy, he had this very. He i He had this outside the. Doctor uh,
0: Narcissus or something Doctors, like that. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I
1: thought he was a terrible. He was character. played by Jeffrey
0: Wright. That's him. Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought that character was very poor. Yeah, and I thought the connection then between the guy who happened to be a cop and the mm. woman who was uh, who was on drugs. Michael Shannon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that went on forever. Yeah. And then, like, no cop would yeah. have lasted but that just, long. It, it just shows it. you,
0: was it in the third series that Bobby Cannavale came into it as this Italian uh, psychopath, Jip. Yes. Gy- and it just shows you, if you, when you have a good villain, he actually went through the whole. He skewered the whole series, and he was just wonderful in it. He actually kept kept you yes. riveted through
1: it. You know? Yeah. Um, now, anyway, we think it'll be back in October. October yeah. Now there's a very interesting thing going on in the Hook household because oh. uh, television oh, watching. lots of interesting. No, television there. watching in the Hook household is a very interesting thing because we never ever watched the same thing. Right. Oh, okay. I'm watching like The Magnificent Seven and she's watching like The Great Catch But she Catch. tends to watch very obscure and unusual things Like The Tanks. Great Catch Have you ever followed the series The Great Catch <laughs> the, <laughs> the Great <laughs> Catch
0: is a fishing series <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's on boats now like it's not fellas with flies it's, <laughs> it's fellas on boats catching stuff and I don't know she, and then the other one she watches is um, Antiques Roadshow and all that stuff. Oh yeah of well Roadshow. that's understandable though Yeah, yeah. But a divergence of opinion, which I didn't think there would be. Yeah. She loved True Detective. Yes. I couldn't get into it. Oh, stop, George.
0: I mean, you're probably the only person that I've ever talked to about True Detective who didn't like it.
1: Yeah, I couldn't get into it.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know what the reason for that is. I thought it was intriguing, and uh, uh, too really, especially the Matthew McConaughey character. But
1: um, but Woody Harrelson seems to because he got an Oscar, yeah. and he's really uh, flying ahead career-wise.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. But uh, the two of them are flying ahead um, career-wise. But um, in in his case, anyway, he's um, he's okay. He did True Detective on TV, uh, six episodes, as we all know, and that everybody loved that. And then at the same time, he was doing movies like uh, The Hunger Games. He's in all of the Hunger Games. Um, 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 uh, movies, the four of them. And uh, so he, I mean, he, he he had kind of two parallel strands in his career, both working for him. And now the reason that he's, this is coming up is he's, he's doing a Western of all things, and it's called By Way of Helena, and it stars him with Liam Hemsworth. Liam Hemsworth is also in the Hunger Games. And Hemsworth plays this Texas Ranger who's sent to an isolated frontier town to investigate a series of murders. And there he comes up against Harrelson's preacher, uh, who's a real sort of fire and brimstone type preacher um, who holds the townspeople in a fearful grip and um, so I, I have to say as a western addict and as someone who loves westerns I uh, am seriously looking forward to it um, and not least because I really uh, like Harrelson and I oh, think he's a really fine actor
1: Yeah, you love cowboys yeah. I, we both love cowboys yeah. who, who was your which cowboy did you really, the actor Cowboy, if you know what I mean, well, did I, you really like?
0: Well, I have to say Wayne. I mean, I know how you, would you just leave that aside for a moment, okay? The fact that he didn't fight in the Second World War. Yes, that's just leave that aside. Me, yeah. okay okay um, Okay. If you, uh, the Ford ones, oh God, if you look at stuff when he was just dead on at the height of his career, like in Rio Bravo, the way he moved in Rio Bravo, he was so, I mean, he was so graceful. Um, were but very, he was
1: great in the one where he was retiring and himself yeah, and Victor McLaglen were, no, oh, Victor McLaglen oh, himself yeah, yeah. were retiring. Yeah,
0: yeah, she wore a yellow ribbon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the, the, the black and white one with Henry Fonda yeah. and Maureen O'Hara. Fort Apache,
0: oh yeah. yeah, yeah, the black one was Fort Apache. I mean,
1: Apache. It, I agree with you, but do you know a fella? I, I love
0: I, him in, in Hondo. Oh, Look yeah. at him in Hondo. Again, he was just right. He hadn't got overweight. He hadn't got the sort of paunch. And uh, he was just dead right. And the way he moved.
1: Oh. And yeah. she was a great actress. No, man. she
0: was. Yeah, yeah. But now,
1: do you know, this is enough. Who's yours then? Who's yours? Glenn Ford. I, Glenn Ford, I thought, made oh. some great cowboy yeah, movies. Yeah. He was tremendous in 310 to you, man. That's a bad guy.
0: And I, and they, they should have, because he was a charming bad guy, and they should have used him, uh, they should have let him play those kind of parts more and more. And there more. was
1: another one, he was in the town. He was a former gunslinger and he sort of hung up his guns, but then a fella came into town. The fastest gun alive. Yeah. Mm. I, I And he always wore, like a lot of the cowboy actors did, they seemed to wear the same clothes well, all yeah, the time no, in the movies. Well,
0: that's what they did. The yeah, hat. Yeah. The hat he always wore. Yeah. And, that. and he actually used to um, he used to ride the horse in a very different way. He used to hold, hold the reins up close to his chest. Right. And he had, a, he had the same horse most of the time as well. Yeah. Randolph Scott used to do that as well. He used to keep on. He held on to the same horse yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the time as well. But I loved him. Uh, but
1: Ford was also a true hero. Uh, While well, Wayne was at home uh, making money, <laughs> Here we go. Ford actually uh, uh, was a true hero in World War Two. and was, was he? decorated by the French and the Americans.
0: Oh, I see. He was a Canadian, wasn't he?
1: I think originally lived to about 93 or 94. Right. And like a lot of guys who lived to 93 and 94, people started taking this money. Yeah. And this is why I don't want to live to 93 or 94 in case people <laughs> well, start we'll taking let, Well, my let's money. not go into that now. But the, the one thing,
0: if, if anybody wanted to appreciate Lane Ford, the one that I would uh, recommend is The Sheepman with Shirley oh, yes. I yes. Loved it. Loved it.
1: And okay. a non cowboy one worth very much, yeah. I think. The gazebo, gazebo is good as a yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah. Because he was a very good comedy actor. Yeah. Now, do we know anything about the film kidnapping Freddie Heineken?
0: Well, we know that it was uh, that that it's made. It was in the Cannes Film Festival. Didn't get uh, last made. Didn't get uh, an awful lot of attention in that. It's 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 made in Belgium and Holland towards the end of uh, last year. And it stars Anthony Hopkins, uh, Jim Sturgess, lovely young actor Sam Worthington, and Ryan Quentin, Quentin who's from, he's on the uh, True Blood series on TV. I think he's an Australian actor. And it's the true story of this this guy Freddie Heineken, who's the heir of the famous international um, uh, brewing conglomerate, and he, one of the richest men in the world. He was kidnapped in Broad Daylight. I think it was in Holland, might have been in Amsterdam. He was kidnapped in, blood, in Broad Daylight. He was he- night light, sorry. He was held for three weeks and uh, he was he was let go then for what was considered at that stage to be the highest ransom ever paid. And there was an international worldwide search for the gang of four or five people who actually killed, kidnapped him and eventually they got him. All right. So it sounds like it has um, possibilities. It's made by a a, a nice director, a fellow called Daniel Alfredson, and he's he did two of those films based on the Stieg Larsson books. Uh, the the girl who played with fire and the girl who kicked the hornet's nest and he did the swedish versions of it as opposed to any sort of english remake yeah
1: now the interesting thing about netflix is that you get it on your apple tv but yeah. the modern smart tvs link automatically to the internet <clears throat> oh, yeah. so you don't need apple tv they do it like they do it automatically so you have netflix so i think that netflix idea will only gain ground if you know what i mean yeah, yeah. but Game of Thrones uh, uh, with not what am i doing? House of Cards. House of Cards. Yeah, yeah. House of Cards. Now, one of our favourite movies from yeah. Cary Grant. Yeah, no, I, had I like no that. no problem I, I like getting into the United no, Nations. I, I like the way you're, you're doing
0: this. Um, it's uh, okay. What we're talking about, first of all, is um, House of Cards applied to use the United Nations, the main chamber, apparently, in the United Nations building in uh, New York. And they were turned down. Apparently, this is a 15 uh, member council that runs the United Nations. And they were turned Turned down because the idea was vetoed by the Russians. The story had just come out in the last few days. I don't know why. I don't know what. Uh, maybe the Russians were just being <laughs> Russians and said, we're not going to. But anyway, the, what you're talking about is um, uh, Hitchcock was making North by Northwest. And at that stage, he wanted, as you may remember in North by Northwest, uh, the main character, Roger O. Thornhill, played by um, Cary Grant, is caught stabbing a guy in the back in the United Nations, a delegate in the United Nations. And of course, they refused Hitchcock permission to shoot in the inside the building and so one of the things he did was he well the thing that he did was he parked a carpet cleaner's van outside the building and what he did was he shot Cary Grant walking across the street and up the steps uh, of the United Nations. And then what he did was he had um, the interior, he had interior secretly uh, filmed filmed, and he got drawings of aspects of the interior. And then he he built the interior of the United Nations on a oh, soundstage right. in MGM. So you had the guy walking in, okay, across this to the real uh, United Nations. Then you have a cut to inside and you're in a film studio.
1: Wow. Yeah. So... Uh, so the United Nations have never given permission for a movie, no, therefore.
0: No, and the, one of the interesting things is that, that that's a tradition, but it's been... I, I saw recently that um, Mission Impossible 5, which they're just preparing at the moment, they're actually going to shoot in the House of Commons. They're shooting in Westminster and in another sort of iconic again, London <laughs> locations, okay? And uh, so, uh, so 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 that, that that kind of tradition seems to be sort of easing away. They seem to be doing away with it. But at the moment, anyway, the Russians are refusing to let anyone do <laughs> right. that.
1: There's a movie in my head that I can't get the image out of my head. This will really test you, I think. I'm mm. not trying to test you. I no, right, just right. think it'll test you. Go on, go on. But the woman, the heroine in it is uh, an instantaneous translator.
0: Yes, Nico- Nicole Kidman.
1: And what was the movie?
0: It's called, is it The Interrogator? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'd that movie. Yeah, 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 that's
0: good. Uh, Sean Penn is in it as well.
1: Yeah, and she was in a, in a simultaneous yeah. translator. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, no, actually, that's interesting because it's a
1: Hitchcock-type plot. It's yeah. a Hitchcock-type situation
0: if you think about it, you know. All
1: right. Now, the... the um, Going back to the very beginning of tonight's program, Mm. Uh, John Carney going to New York. Is this an Irish-financed film, therefore?
0: It's he, one of the things he actually—he's he's on the picture show, by the way. And um, uh, one of the things he talks
1: about—picture show is what time?
0: The picture show is six o'clock on Saturday evenings, and right. it's absolute a must for anybody interested in the cinema in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Okay. But he—he uh, he, one, one of the things he was is telling me was once was made for hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Okay. And, of course, it went on to make something like 26 million and did all kinds of ferociously good business. Um, Then he backed a couple of things that really didn't get the kind of international release maybe that they should have. Uh, But in this case, he's made it. He talks about um, not liking big budgets. He just doesn't like to, uh, to have big budget. And this one is made for $9 million. So I'd say uh, even before it gets out the door, it's probably in profit, you know.
1: All right. You know? But but you talked also at the beginning of the program mm. about the most expensive movies yeah. ever made. Yeah. And the most expensive was Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. 3. Yeah. Although adjusted for inflation, no, Cleopatra probably knocks no, them all out. No, no. no, this all is right. adjusted for inflation. Right.
0: Cleopatra's second.
1: All right. But,
0: and you'll be delighted to know that adjusted for inflation, inflation, the most successful of all time at the box office is 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 what?
1: Sherman's Burning of Atlanta. <laughs> Sherman's Burning of Atlanta. <laughs> no, but hold on a while. Um, uh, where does the Cowboy One rank? That near, there was a book written about how it brought the no, studio no, yeah, down. Yeah,
0: yeah, Heaven's Gate. Yeah, I don't think Heaven's Gate is in the top ten
1: really Yeah. and yeah. it almost brought the studio yeah. bring, down okay
0: I'll do I'll we'll do a piece on this in a no I think you should yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. because uh, and by the way we've also promised to do something on that dubbing on Marnie Nixon and so on we oh do, yes we must do something like and that.
1: we can play a bit of music yeah, yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. be yeah. really good okay mm. Philip mm. Malloy the doyen of film critics with oh. me every one, um, Wednesday at about 20 past 6 or so and then Saturdays at 6 o'clock Argentina Brazil Chile and all these guys, notwithstanding, <laughs> and of course now that Murray is out of Wimbledon, there won't even be tennis. Tennis Wimbledon no. be over, and all it's you're laughing. Nobody will be trying to knock you off your perch. Okay, all right. Next Wednesday, Philip, talk to you then.
0: Bye. Thanks for
1: listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.